Hello, my friends, and welcome to Time Between Times Storytelling with me, Owen Staten. You know, sometimes you just feel the need to tell a tale. Sometimes a story just pops off the page into your mind, and you feel you have to speak it. This is one of those times. I was walking in the woods yesterday. It was not the time between times, but it was not far off. And I sat down on a park bench and thought I heard music not far away playing in the trees. I got up and listened. A small drum beat. Maybe the slight singing of a fiddle. It soon vanished, as if caught on the breeze but my imagination started to work overtime. So I ask you today to join me. Join me for a story here at the Time Between Times. Sit back, relax, close your eyes if it's safe to do so, and imagine that you were sat at the fireplace in your house. The sun is shining outside, and the fire in the grate has long since died. You could sit here all night and be comfortable. Maybe put the television on, maybe open a book, maybe listen to the radio or a podcast. But tonight offers something more. You stand up and walk to the place where your coat hangs by the door. You don't need it tonight. It is still warm. You open your front door, close it behind you and make your way down the path to the road. The cars are driving past, the bicycles are riding up and down the road, and the sun is shining bright still. But you take a right turn and head towards the forest. Head towards the place that you know is filled with magic. You soon reach the edge of the woods. You can see the path start to break through the trees. And taking one deep breath, you step onto the grass and head into the woodland. What was light now becomes dark. What was shadow now becomes pitch. The path winds to the left, back and to the right, over hill and under mound. You pass the old mossy tower where once we sat and told a tale. For a second it seemed that something flits in the upstairs window. But when you look up, it has gone. Shadows and shadows, shadows move from tree to tree. A slight chill breaks through the air as a breeze carries through the woodland, causing the branches to rustle and sing. You cross through the crystal clear stream. And at last... Come to the fire pit at the heart of the forest. The fire is low, but the heat is good. Your friends have gathered here, all sitting around, warming themselves in this place. And you take your place amongst them. The welcome is warmer than it has ever been. Anything dark that's in your mind soon vanishes, taking away on the wind, like a grey cloud in a beautiful blue sky. The storyteller stands up 
and he noticed the darkness is starting to fall, for now is the time between times, the time when it's neither night nor day, but the sun has gone and the sky is grey, the time when the veil between our world and the fairy world grows wafer, wafer thin. And for this moment and just a few moments after, we can reach into their realm and they can reach into ours. Because now is the time that people see lights in the sky. Now is the time that people see the Talwith Teg. Now is the time that people see ghosts. So join me, my friends, as I tell you this tale from far away and long ago, as we head to North Wales, to the small village of Pentre Voilas, surrounded by the mountains of Snowdonia and the Gwydir Forest Park. This can be a truly desolate but wonderful place. The colours are bright, the music sings, there is history and magic in these lands. But I take you to a farm just outside Pentrevoilas, almost two hundred years ago, where a man called Hugh Wenalt sat by the fireplace in tears. He had not a penny left to his name. He had many children and a wife in not the best of health. His farm had grown old and his crops had withered, and he had but one cow that would produce no milk. Tomorrow looked like a bleak day, and Hugh wondered how on earth he was going to feed anybody. He lived in one of the most beautiful places in the world, but to him it was a dismal place for he could see no future, see no tomorrow, see nothing but darkness ahead. As the night started to fall and the moon started to rise, he went outside the house, closing the door behind him. He followed his path until he came to a winding way that went down to the weir near where he lived. He often came here to think, for it was a quiet place. Some said it was a place of magic. Some said that long ago witches lived there. Others had said that the Grey King, the Brynin Lloyd, had been seen in the rocks around. But on this night, Hugh Wenalt just wanted a bit of peace and quiet. He could hear the bubbling brook wishing past him as he sat on a stone next to its banks. Far away he could hear the maize and the mares of the sheep living nearby. A horse ran in a field, just a stone's throw away. And he started to weep, and he started to sob. But then it started to happen. First of all, like a drumbeat far away, brought on the breeze, it could have been anything. But his ears pricked up and he looked around. And then the sound of a violin, as beautiful as the dawn, started to play. And then small horns started to blow, a joyous noise. He opened his eyes, for he had closed them, almost falling to sleep, but he could still hear the music. And then he noticed a mist had started to fall on the brook, almost surrounding where he sat, and he could barely see ten feet away. But then he saw something coming towards him, something he could not believe at first. A parade of small figures, 
all playing their instruments. Marching towards him, two by two they came. A line of fairy folk, a tull with tig, a very voke, the bendeth a mamai, whatever you want to call them, came marching out of the fog. No more than a hand's width in height, each of them wore grey clothing, although their aspect was as bright as the sun. Every one of them played an instrument, and they were followed two by two by a pack of speckly fairy hounds, each yelping and howling in tune with the music. Oh, our friend looked at them. Hugh Bedvan had never seen anything like this in all his years. He had heard tales of the fairies and what they could do to Hugh, and he felt defeated, but he was rooted to the spot as they marched closer and closer, and then he turned to them. And they marched right by, the song filling the air with joy as it came. Then they stopped in unison, like a well-drilled unit of soldiers. Each of the grey fairies stopped and turned and looked at him, and at their front was their leader, an older, withered fairy with a grey hat upon his head. He looked at Hugh, and with his finger beckoned for him to follow them. Then they started to march again. Onwards they went into the forest, and Hugh got up and started to step after them. One step, two steps he take. He carried on going into the forest, and then he noticed they were coming to a cave. Onwards they went, and then they started to march into the cave. Two by two by two by two they went, each of them going inside, but the old fairy standing in the doorway, beckoning them into the cave. And then it came to Hugh. He could still hear the music playing. He could still see the fairies marching off into the darkness. And the old fairy looked him in the eye and asked him to follow. He could peer into the cave, his eyes becoming accustomed to the dark. Many years ago he had worked in a mine and so was used to darkness. And what he saw beggared belief. Beyond the darkness of the cave, he could see a village in bright sunshine. And there the fairy band was playing by a running river. All of the fairies were now dancing. But it was not just them. There were other folk there. But what was strange is that the way the other folk were dressed. Some were dressed in modern clothes as Hugh knew it but others seemed to have come from years ago. One was dressed in armour like a knight who clanked as he danced. Another had a painted face like the people of Wales who lived here many years ago. And they seemed to dance without end, twisting and twirling. Hugh took a step to join them in the cave and then something caused him to stop. Maybe it was the thought of his family back home and what they would do without him. But he turned away and walked away from the cave. After a few steps he turned around and looked and saw that the vision had gone. And inside the cave was only darkness.
He shrugged, a maid to head back to the farm, when suddenly he saw something in front of him. Hopping along the path came a fairy dog. Its legs seemed to be badly injured, and it barely seemed to be able to move. As it got to Hugh, it collapsed on the ground and yelped and whined and looked up at him. He bent over and picked it up. It could fit in the palm of its hands, its speckly fur shining in the growing gloom. His first thought was to place it in the cave, but he could no longer see the fairies and was afraid of what might happen. So he placed it inside his coat. He could feel it wriggling by his chest as he made his way back to the farm in Pentrefoilus. There he placed it on the table, made sure it had some meat to eat, and made a small blanket out of a handkerchief and placed it on it to keep it warm. His wife and children had already gone to bed, so as midnight came he could no longer keep his eyes open and went to see out the night. But then in the middle of the darkness there came a knocking on the door and the faraway ringing of a bell. His children and wife seemed to sleep through it, but Hugh went to the door and opened it. At first he could only see the blackness of the night, but then he looked down and saw that the fairy parade had come to the house. The leader stood in front and looked up at him, and even though he did not speak a word, Hugh knew exactly what he wanted. So he turned around, went to the kitchen table, picked up the dog, and brought it to the fairies, who carried it aloft, four of them holding it high, and off they went. The leader of the fairies nodded at Hugh, and left. The next morning, at the time between times, the time is neither night nor day, but the sun had gone and the sky was grey. Hugh arose, just as the dawn was starting to break, and went outside to see what meagre milk he could get from his cow, if any. And he opened the door, and there on the step of the door was a gold coin. A gold coin which was worth more than he could earn in six months. He placed it in his pocket. He did not know what to think. He went down to where his cow was and found that she was full of milk and as hearty and healthy as she had ever been. Every day for the rest of his life, this happened. A gold coin on the doorstep all his animals as healthy as they could come. Only when he was old and rich and had given much of his money to the neighbouring people did he tell his story about the Grey People's Parade and how he had refused to enter their realm but cared for the fairy dog and they had offered him love and reward instead. And that, my friends, is the strange tale of the Parade of the Grey Folk, told by me, Owen Staten, to you at the time between times. I hope you enjoyed it, my friends.
Take care on the forest path returning home. If you see the fairy folk or hear their music, follow them so far, but do not go to their realm. But if you can offer them a kindness, maybe they will give you one as well. Take care, my friends. Much love to all of you. Please, if you have any ideas for stories, contact me at owenstaten at aol.com. Follow me on Twitter at Owen S. Griffiths. And if you're feeling really generous, why not buy me a coffee at coffee.com forward slash owenstaten or become one of my growing band of Patreons at patreon.com forward slash owenstaten7. Thank you to everyone who continues to support me week after week, tale after tale. Your help and your friendship is worth the world to me. No star, my friends. Good night. <laughs>